Hi, and welcome to the August Forum. I'm your host, Andrew, and I'll be sharing the stories of fashion industry professionals, creatives, and entrepreneurs about their journeys and experiences as they advance within this ever-growing industry. The August Forum, as an extension of the shop itself, allows you to have the ability to listen to those in the space. So whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur, trying to break into the fashion industry, or just curious about the ins and outs, we hope these stories will help you to achieve your goals. In this episode, I have the privilege of having this conversation with Mitch Hamas, vintage curator, admirer, and owner of Single Stitch Madison. From selling to his friends out of his closet to opening a store in La Crosse, then to move into Madison, Mitch's trajectory has given him the opportunity to establish himself in Madison as a go-to vintage person and shop. During my conversation with Mitch, we not only touched on his journey and trajectory, but his perspectives of the role vintage plays within the fashion industry. We gained his insight in the growth of vintage and how vintage clothing will continue and forever emulate fashion and streetwear. From his anecdotes to his takes and perspectives, this conversation was truly enthralling, and I believe you will find it equally engaging. This is The August Forum. All right, so for today's episode, I'm joined with Mitch Hammes. Mitch, how are you doing? Doing great. How are you? Pretty good. I feel like more people know you as Single Stitch Mitch than Mitch Hammes. Is that, do you think so? I don't know, probably. I mean, I got the nickname, <laughs> I don't know, five years ago at this point. Yeah. I guess it's kind of just stuck ever since. I feel like most, at least everyone in our space knows you as Single Stitch Mitch. I didn't even know your last name was Hammes until probably like when I started researching you. Yeah. <laughs> but before we get started, do you want to introduce like who you are and what you do? Yeah. Um, I mean, like you said, I'm Mitch Hammes. I'm 23 years old. I'm the owner of Single Stitch. We were founded in 2000, I guess, legally founded in 2020, but I started the business in 2018. But yeah, I guess I'm the man behind most of it, I would say. Yeah. I mean, we're going to talk about a lot about you know your journey going from lacrosse to madison and kind of back to lacrosse with your other shop but before we do any of that what have you been wearing i mean we're kind of a fashion culture podcast so i feel um, it's pretty yeah to ask that i mean that's kind of a weird question when it comes to me because i do switch it up a lot i'll wear like 70s bell bottoms and send cowboy boots one day and then jankos and some osiris d3s the next day <laughs> but lately i don't know i've just been getting into a lot of like more for the past like couple of years, I was focused a lot on topic, pretty much like what the graphic is and like the rarity of a graphic or the rarity of a shirt. And now I'm more focused on like the fit, mm. how it fits me. Like I kind of got to the point where I'm like, I have a hundred and plus t-shirts that all fit me the exact same, you know, and like right. they're all pretty much the same shirt with just a different graphic on it to where now I'm kind of focusing more on just like styling differently not necessarily wearing like the same oversized shirt every single day so i've been getting a lot into like button downs like short sleeve bowling shirts a lot more like true vintage i would say a lot more like stuff in the 50s and the 60s some of a little bit of the 70s versus for i think for a while now i've pretty much been focused on the 90s i'm kind of like switching over yeah i mean i think it's really evident with every time i see you i feel like it's a whole different fit that you have on or it's like a whole different vibe that you have is that something yeah. that when you wake up you're just like i kind of want to try this out or do yeah you find- i mean yeah a lot of it is like and it's like an aesthetic thing i have like gorp core stuff that I'll, I'll wear and then i'll wear like whatever you want to call the soft boy essential or whatever 
So yeah, like I do kind of bounce back and forth. And like, I think a lot of people kind of misjudge it as if like you have to have this certain style and like, that's how you dress when in reality you can literally wear whatever you want. I could put a skirt on with a North face jacket and a cowboy hat. I call it fit. It might not look the best, but <laughs> like my whole thing is like, like a lot of people like misjudge people on stuff like that, where it's like, if you can be, if you're confident in something, you really can wear anything. Right. That's where a lot of it comes down to. It's like, like if it fits on your body, you can mm-hmm. wear it. Like you can literally wear a trash bag if you want to. It's all about just the fact that it's like, do you care about what other people are going to say? Or do you just want to do what you want to do? Right. And do you kind of have that mindset with like customers coming into the shop being like, I, what you're trying for them to do is like buy themselves like something that's going to give them that confidence that they're kind of looking for in a way? Or yeah. Honestly, that is kind of like, that's how I kind of got to this point to where I started mixing up my aesthetics and kind of like mixing up my styles a lot. It's because I realized that working here it's like you kind of do have to be somewhat of an inspiration to people and like how to put piece things together and stuff like that so like a lot of me doing that was just like showing people like how to wear different things and like you can style one thing and multiple different aesthetics you know like you can have the same jacket and it could be you could be like emo goth one day Mm -hmm. and then a soft boy the next day you know like you can you can mix and match and like i think that's like one thing that i like about it right um i also want to know like what you've been listening to recently i feel like you have a really eclectic taste yeah. in music as well um let's see so my music taste is weird because it's like i listen to the same stuff right. then i'll find like a record yeah. yeah we just got like a velvet underground record that lasts like a week or two ago and i listen to that and then you just i dive deep into like that band and then mm-hmm. i'll just i've been listening to like a lot of like 60s 70s like velvet underground led zeppelin just stuff like that then bubba sparks he's like I found this, <laughs> it's like he's like a random 90s hip-hop dude and i found a my mom actually came up at like a i don't know if it was a garage show where she went but she found it's like an old radio show and she yeah. got all of like their old records. So it's a bunch of like 90 samples and stuff like that, where it's like a lot of it's all singles, but I got like a couple, I got two Bubba Sparks albums and I like no idea who he was, but he's right. so hard. Like <laughs> I love his style so much. So I've been diving into him and then, well, yeah, I would say the typical stuff. I like jazz too, like been getting into BB King, mm-hmm. Bud Belly, stuff like that. Do you think there's like kind of a bridge between like your appreciation of like vintage clothes and then like your taste in music where it's like once you find something that you really like, you really want to dive into maybe a subcategory of it and kind of learn as much as you can in the like, yeah. period of time? I mean, that's kind of just like how I am in general, like throughout life. It's kind of like when I find right. something that I'm interested in, I it kind it gets to be a problem to be completely honest because i like i it's very hard for me to just kind of like somewhat be into something right if i'm into it like i'm super into it like i'm going to spend time like researching like all the members of the band like what Mm -hmm. they did before the band what happened to the band after right so i don't know i think a lot of it is more just the fact that i'm just interested in history because i my thing my whole thing is like history is always going to constantly repeat itself so if you Mm -hmm. can have a good knowledge of what happened in the past it'll help you for what's going to happen in the future so i mean like i might not directly like 
relate to what happened to somebody, but it's right. like, it, I have no idea what's going to happen in my life down the road. So yeah. Is there like a certain band or a certain like subcategory of vintage that you've dived into the most that you were like surprised to learn a lot about, even if it's uh, like Bubba Sparks? I mean, honestly, like everything, I don't think any, every single time I dive into some type of vintage category, I find something that I didn't know about. And usually right. it's like something that's pretty interesting. I think a lot of, one thing that I think gets overlooked a lot is just vintage military stuff. Like mm-hmm. just how, oh, I can't think of the word. Like they made all their stuff for, for use. Right. Like military stuff was made for, it had a use for like every pocket had a use on those pants or on that right. jacket where nowadays like it seemed as more as like a fashion thing. Mm-hmm. But I love the fact that like a lot of the stuff that is nowadays seem as a fashion trend was made for, it's like, single use, you right. know? Like I, I think we were talking about that yesterday. You mentioned, even with the Carhartt double knees, like they, the double knee was a thing so that they could put padding in it. And now it's like this thing where it's like, it's like oh, a it's reconstructive cool. thing. Yeah. Right. So you have double layers because it's a construction pant. And a lot of people doing construction are constantly on their knees. So it's, right. you don't, it's so you don't wear through so easily. Right. And nowadays, yeah, it's a fashion thing. It's kind of like, do you think that like at one point, we're going to see different things. I mean, again, you say history repeats itself. You think that there's going to be other things that we see as like not quote unquote fashion items become into this like trendy kind oh, of 100%, like, 100%. Yeah. Like there's no way you can't say that. Like you th- think about right now, like put five years ago. Right. If you saw somebody wearing bell bottom flares, like mm-hmm. that wasn't something where it was like <laughs> normal for people to no. wear it. Nowadays, you got people wearing it all the time, you know, like right. that's one of our best sellers. So it's like to say like, I mean, for me, I can even say that myself. It's like when I first started doing like the whole Janko thing, you know, like right. I've been collecting like jankos and like baggy wide skate stuff like y2k skate gear for four years and like when i first started buying it people were giving it to me like mm. people were giving me jankos because they were just like i what are they like these are just like right ne- like they're never gonna come back but like i don't doing this for as long as i have you realize like every it's about every 20-ish years like everything comes back you know mm-hmm. like when i first started this like 70s band tees were super hot right like these band tees were really hot and nowadays like they're not worth anything because like i always related to like collector cars where it's like there will always be collector cars like that is never going to be something that goes away but what kind of cars that are collectible is always mm-hmm. going to be changing mm-hmm. so it's like like it's crazy to us because like i think about it and it's like in 20 years from now like the stuff that i wore when i was like middle school is what's going to be considered vintage Right. So it's all, and like a lot of people, like this is all based off of nostalgia. Yeah. So it's like you get to a point to where, like, once somebody reaches 60, 70 years old, like they don't have any needs to buy a vintage t shirt anymore. Right. Which is why, like, that 70s to like 70s, 80s bands are going down in price. And now, like, the early 2000s hip hop stuff is going up. It's like, it's just appreciation. And like, the appreciation is always going to change. Like, the main, like your 25 to 30 year old group is like, that's the people that are going to spend the most money at that point. Like they're in the position in their life where they're able to spend money on things that isn't super, isn't like home goods and like family stuff, you know, it's like when they're down to spoil themselves and like, that's what they want. It's like, they want that nostalgic feeling of buying the stuff that they wore as a kid or they always wanted when they were a kid. Mm -hmm. And like, as they get older, new people replace them. 
and right. what the things that they were the things that they're nostalgic to are always changing so like in my the way i see it it's like this vintage is never going to be done with now that no. it's here yeah i mean you kind of touched on like a little bit about your journey from like i mean what i got to learn a little bit more is that you started like selling stuff off your driveway to like having to open up like a space to literally like fit all the stuff that you have like what has been your journey so far from doing that to now having two stores in wisconsin yeah so i mean i guess it started in high school like i always just went and thrifted for myself like i i was like everybody else getting 80 percent of my clothing at like yeah. zoomies or like anything like that and then it kind of just got to the point where like i've always just i hate looking like everybody else like i always right. have so it's like i realized that it's like i can go and thrift and find stuff for half the price like a lot of it was because me and my buddy seabone were super into polo and it was like <laughs> like the this dumb stuff too like the pocket polo the yeah. pocket just like with the little horse on the pocket yeah like i remember being like 15 like going into a goodwill and being like dude like the purple shirt with the orange horse like that's so <laughs> rare and like we would go to like tj Maxx and get stuff like that and then i remember like he found like Callan found like a really cool polo or something like that and i was like that's when it kind of just like sparked it where i was like dude you can find way better stuff at the thrift store that they made a long time ago that they don't right. make anymore and then it kind of just got into that and i was buying my dad's old sweatshirt i was taking my dad's old sweatshirts out of his closet and then once i like graduated and got my own house like my buddies would come over to hang out and like it just ended up like they were just chopping through my closet and just trying to buy stuff off of me all the time and then it was like all right if i'm gonna go out and spend all this time thrifting like i might as well start picking up different sizes and like stuff that i'm not necessarily interested in but i know my buddies would want and then mm -hmm. so then we started doing i was doing depop pretty much full-time working full-time night shifts at the brewery as well so i'd get done work with work at like 6 a.m i would drive to the thrifts i'd get home at like three sleep till six or seven and go to work and i just did that like every day and then it pretty much broke down it's like all right i'm making 110 dollars a day at the brewery mm -hmm. as soon as i can get to the point where i can repetitively for two weeks straight beat that with my online sales i'm just gonna quit right then i, I like vividly remember like i sold a pair there's like fire red jordan 13s that i found at plato's closet for like 12 bucks and i flipped them for like 275 instantly like on ebay like same night i listed them and then i was like all right yeah like this is stupid like why am i right. sitting here like wasting all this time making someone else money when i could be doing it for myself and then so then we i got an apartment and i like remember looking i was like i need an apartment with a big driveway mm -hmm. i wanted to find someone with a garage but i couldn't so we found this spot that had like a four-car driveway we lived upstairs we had like a group of girls that lived downstairs and i'd pretty much like i would let them come to the pop-up and grab a few things in exchange for us like getting the entire driveway for two days yeah and so then we would just do like a pop-up slash like garage sale pretty much every other weekend and then it was nice because we were right across the street from the turbo so we we're right by campus and mm -hmm. it kind of just got to the point where like people were lining up in the morning to come shop and like it kind of just it just grew it just kept growing i never had any intentions of it growing like for me it was always this thing where it's like i can make enough money to like buy my food go right. have fun with my friends like that's all i ever needed like i never expected anything and then it kind of just grew to the point where it's like all right i'm making i'm making rent in one weekend if i got a store so it's like i might as well just start looking i was thinking about like a storage unit or a storefront and then 
luckily just like in lacrosse like storefronts are cheap like right you can get a thousand feet square foot or a thousand square feet for 60 bucks a m- or 600 bucks a month you know damn like you can find stuff for really cheap out there just because it's a smaller city so i kind of yeah. just like took the risk and like i don't know i like part of me like i always say this it's like like i would pay so much money to go back and shop out of that driveway at my own pop-up just because <laughs> like every like vintage was just in a completely different place you know right. like like a, like if you sold a shirt for a hundred dollars in 2018 like that was sick yeah like, that was a come up you know and like nowadays you got people selling shirts for three thousand and it's right. like so it's like i'd love to go back there like i don't think i had anything for over 20 30 bucks you know like everything was just super cheap and i had no idea what i was doing like i was looking at pictures the other day and i had a table with levi's folded on top of it with a sign that said five dollar levi's like, i was selling <laughs> levi's for five bucks i i pay more than that now wholesale <laughs> I buy them for 10 bucks a piece for the store, 20 bucks a piece. And it's like, that's crazy. But yeah, that's, and then it, it that's a nature. Built, yeah, no, I mean, that, and that was my, that's still my thing to this day. It's like, I'm focused on quick. Like I want to move stuff right. quick. Like I'm not going to sit on stuff. And it's like, I ain't going to admit like for the, a year ago, I was kind of in this spot where it's like trying to make as much money off of everything as I possibly can. But like, that's because I like I had people tell me it's like yo you have an official business like you need to start focusing on margins and like mm-hmm. I did that for a little bit and then I realized it's like yo nobody's like it's just sitting here and people are complaining about how high it's priced so it's like we're back now to just like putting everything out for like thirty bucks it's just cheap I'd rather focus on moving it quick and like I don't know if you want to come in and buy it and resell it it's okay with me I don't mind yeah. we, I know what we paid for it so as long as I can make more I was gonna say like you have. I mean, with you in comparison, I guess to us, it's like you have everything out. Like everything is just straight up out. Like that's what you, your brand selection is like what you have is out. For you, it's like, man, if something doesn't move like as quickly as you imagined it, like what do you do? Do you just like take it home? You're like, I'm no one's appreciating like any, like I'm the only one that really appreciates this. Yeah. I mean, I mean, oh, for sure, dude. Like you have, you'd be so surprised like how many pieces I take out of my own closet. Like I, I have to purge my closet like every week, every two weeks, because I come home with an IKEA bag of stuff, and I'm like, I don't have room for any of it. Right. So I'll pull stuff out of my closet, bring it into the store, and it's like if it sits here and nobody's batting an eye, it's like, all right, nobody clearly appreciates this like I do. I'll just take it back. Right. But then again, like we also put stuff out to where it's like, because we're also trying to like follow trends, you know. So like mm-hmm. we'll try to find something that's like trending somewhere else and put something that put it out and like. Sometimes it just doesn't move. So sometimes we just bite the bullet. I mean, like pretty much like whatever just doesn't move, we just toss into this big pile. That's our five (laughs) dollar pile for Maxwell Street days. Like (laughs) every year for that, we just do like a huge five dollar mountain and it's stuff where it's like I couldn't get stains out of it or it's Mm -hmm. got a hole that I didn't notice or some of it there's nothing wrong with it at all. It's just something I don't think I could sell. Right. For 30 or whatever you know like we try not to put anything out for under 30 bucks in here so what was like the like the biggest or your most like your your piece of clothing that you were like no one's really appreciating this but like this is something i really do appreciate like is Um, there one recently i mean i have a few pieces so like i kind of i didn't grow up there but my grandma and grandpa owned like a dairy farm so i was like pretty much there like five days a week like i say i grew up there but like i didn't physically live there but yeah all of my childhood memories are there. So right. like, for me, it seems like I grew up there and it's like, 
my grandma is like great depression era didn't throw anything mm. away so they have like a full house that's just full of all of my dad's my dad and his three brothers like all of their clothing from when they were my age so like we dug through that and i got like my i got my dad's ffa jacket um okay. i got like my great uncle's uwl sweatshirt and it's stuff like that where it's like like they're worth like the FFA jacket's worth a hundred dollars. Like any right. FFA jacket's worth a hundred, but it's like it, that's it's priceless to me. You know, it's mm-hmm. got my last name on it, so it's right. like a lot of pieces like that. Um, and then obviously like Jankos when I first started, it's like I was buying them for ten, twenty bucks a piece, mm-hmm. and I had appreciation for them, but nobody else valued them the same as me. Right. So. But now that's kind of like shifted, where more and more people are appreciating Jankos and FFA jackets in general. I feel like that's something that more and more people are really appreciating and kind of like taking into account in their Oh yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, that's what I love about like the past two years is cause like there's, it's to the point where vintage is mainstream now and you have people who are showcasing these pieces where it's like, right. It's not that they haven't been showcased before. It's just like nobody did it the right way. And now people are like making these super creative, like Instagram reels or TikToks about stuff and like showing people like, Cause I've seen a billion FFA jackets posted, you know, but I've mm-hmm. never ever seen anybody show somebody how to style it until this year. Right. You know? So I think it's getting a lot more educational where people are kind of like teaching people what things are. Mm. So instead of looking at something, that's just a simple price tag. You're looking at like the actual, like historical, like the history behind a piece, you know? Right. Right. You touched on before where it was like, you were talking about nostalgia and kind of interacting with this nostalgia. And that's how, vintage will truly never die because there's always going to have this sense everyone's going to have this sense of nostalgia in whatever era of vintage that they're shopping at what has that been like for you where you kind of work with your own nostalgia every single day yeah i mean and that's something that's kind of hard as like a store owner is like realizing that like just because it's something that you were into like that doesn't mean that everybody else is going to be into it so like, right. well i don't know i mean i just think of like what what were what tv shows were on as a kid you know like my favorite thing is like when you put a shirt out and somebody picks it up and it's like one of those memories you had tucked in the back of your head but you like completely forgot it existed and it's like <laughs> like that one we had a shirt i don't even know what it's called but it's like that show that we watched when we were kids with like that big orange bear it's like this huge orange bear oh. and he, like, <laughs> i don't even remember like i don't remember what the show was about i don't remember what his name is i just like remember something about like going to sleep it was always him and like the moon and the stars but like we I had a shirt i'm looking this up right now bro um yeah I, I i could like it's like in the back of my mind right now yeah like um, somebody just we had a shirt and somebody picked it up and was like dude like i it just oh, did bear, bear in the big blue house yeah i think so yeah. <laughs> and like it's just shit like that where it's just like you'll show somebody something and it just like it's just like that instant dopamine, you know, right. where it's like, you're like, dude, like, I feel so good just because I like remembered this, you know, like, right. it's just, it's like that, that's you unlock the memory pretty much, you know, that's crazy. I like, I, I feel like that's, what's always going to be great with vintage. And I think that category of fashion where it's like, there's always going to be this sense of nostalgia that is going to surpass like generations and generations at one point, yeah. like you said, like, when this next generation grows up, they're going to be shopping at what we were looking, what we were wearing in like middle school and stuff like that's going to be yeah. like inevitable. But I, mean, like, a- I don't 
people don't even know this like baggy pants was like a massive trend in like the 1920s right oh like, really people were wearing like massive like 30 inch cuff pants in like the 30s you know like everything comes back at some point you know mm -hmm. like it's just all inevitable it's just like what it's just a cycle and i feel like a lot of people know that like fashion is a cycle but i don't think they truly see it in vintage because they only see it in their specific era that they're shopping in right now yeah you no, know yeah and i mean the it's also weird too because like i'm starting to realize now that like like fashion there's kind of like two types of people like you are either super into fashion and you can tell me each detail about every piece you're wearing mm -hmm. or i could be like yo what kind of pants are those and you're like blue jeans you know like, <laughs> like you know like some people just like don't care and like that's totally fine you know like there's nothing wrong with that but like there are certain people who just clothing is just clothing you know but mm -hmm. i think the further and further that it grows it's going to grow into something a lot more than that you know it's like just like with vintage it's like there's band tees where it's like you could go buy one on ebay right now for four dollars plus shipping you know right but it's not going to be there it's not the original thing so it's like people are starting to get to the point where like they would rather pay more for the like right piece because they care about the history behind it. Mm. They care about what goes into it. It's the same thing with like, like buying a piece off a sheen versus buying a piece off of somebody who was like cut and sewing the whole garment right. from scratch. Like there's, that's completely different now yeah. to where I, a couple of years ago, like nobody really cared. I thought, mm -hmm. I think that's just like where there's just so much, stuff in the market at this point there's so many brands there's so many smaller brands oh there's yeah so many there's things i i don't think there's any market in the entire world right now that is as saturated as the fashion industry right and it's like do you do you think that's gonna continue to happen or do you think at one point it's just gonna yeah. like it's already crashing dude like look at all these big name brands like how many like think about 10 years ago compared to right now like how many big brands were there that people were fighting over? People were waiting in line to get their inventory. Right. Like that doesn't happen at all really anymore, you know? Yeah. Like there ain't, there is no Supreme. Mm -hmm. Like even though like, like Supreme isn't really a big anymore, but there wasn't anybody that even replaced them. Right. Like if you look at like, the, like you think about like when we were in high school, like there were these brands that people would fight over. Right. That is not a thing anymore. You know, like at least from my, from how I see it now, it's more spread out. Like there's more like, instead of there being like those five top brands, brands yeah. now it's just spread out to where like, which is a good thing, you know, like there's more money going to other people and not just like the same couple companies. And I think it's a lot more original, Right. you have to be at this point. Like you can't just be like, a you can't just go on custom ink, you know, like you have something to like, a shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Like you got to be out of the box. Like there are two, there's way too many brands who don't realize that to where it's like, if you're not going out of the box, it's going to be hard for you to grow. Cause there's so many people who are doing the same thing as you. Right. And I feel like with that, it's like each, there's so many different aesthetics of fashion at this point. And it's like, there are more like leading brands of a certain aesthetic. There is now no longer one or two or three like leading brands in fashion in general like if we look at maybe more towards like streetwear after supreme it was like stussy for a little bit but now it's like so widespread you know yeah. like there is no one streetwear brand that everybody wants it's at this point is like they're all trying to be as original as they can be to try and separate themselves yeah and i think 
I think that's a problem that a lot of people have is like you got to realize that like clothing has been around for so long. Yeah. that it is really hard to be original, you know, mm-hmm. like it's really hard to make something that hasn't been made before. That's why like like my thing, it's like when I look at newer clothing nowadays, it's like I don't remember the last time I bought anything from the only thing I buy from a retail store is a vintage inspired item right. that is so rare that I can't find the vintage one. Right. You know, like the Oakley chop saws. I was going to say the like, Oakley like chop saws. That's the type of stuff where it's like, I will pay retail for it because I know that there is a 1% chance that I'm ever actually going to be able to find the original pair. Mm-hmm. But for pretty much anything else, I look at most things nowadays and I'm like, I could get that in a vintage version for half right. the price. And if anything, it's probably going to be better quality and it'll probably mm-hmm. fit me a little bit better, you know? Right. So do you, other than like maybe the Oakley chop saws that I feel like we all, all were really excited when they came out, honestly, you were like one of the first people that came in. Bro, I was trying to get those like six months before they even came (laughs) out. You came in and you're like, do you guys have, you got a size 12? You're like, yeah. (laughs) Dude, yeah, I don't, that is like the one brand that I actively look to buy stuff is like vintage Oakley stuff. I love, that's like one brand that I love. So it's like. And that's in, it's so hard to find. Like, so it is like the fact that Rob find. has like a, a couple piece, like a watch, and like all these, like how I don't, know? I don't know. Honestly, I was gonna say, is there other brands other than like maybe Oakley right now that you are willing to br- buy like more, you know, retail and newer product of, or do you find that you really are straying away from that? The only brands that I honestly really support would be Vile Files and Manic, and those are because they're like two of my best friends brands you know right and right. i think the stuff they're making is a lot better than majority of the stuff that i see in streetwear nowadays mm. and yeah i mean honestly that's about the only thing wow. that i would that i would buy from retail wow that's and crazy socks <laughs> and underwear other than that, <laughs> my say. entire closet is vintage you know like there's yeah. maybe five things in my entire closet that is not 20 years or older that's crazy. You got an old, you got an old closet. It's an old man closet right there. I do, bro. Uh, um, but it's almost like a hundred years old. <laughs> Older than your grandma. <laughs> nah, for real. I have. I, that's like one of my favorite things. I'll go over to my grandma's house some days, and she'd be like, "I really like those pants." I'm like, "Yeah, they're older than you." She's like, "No," and I'm like, "No, nah, they're literally from 1941." And she'd be like, "Oh." <laughs> Where did you? She just gets confused. Like, how are they even still there? Like, how are they still wearable? And you know, right. and it's like, what has been? What has been like your favorite? Like, come up more, maybe more recently that you've been like, I can't believe I have my hands on these. Especially now with you, like true vintage. Yeah, I mean, so to be completely honest, like it takes a lot for me to get excited over clothes nowadays because I right. do kind of, I've kind of gotten to the point to where like I have most of the things I want especially mm-hmm. like t-shirt wise you know like i have the keys that i want and like there are, there's definitely still a ton of stuff that i want you know but yeah. it's like anything that i thought was reasonable you know that i that's reasonable that i get my hands on i feel like i've gotten most of it like there are still a lot of pieces that i want but it's also one of those things where it's like i'm only going to get one or two opportunities to buy this when yeah. they come up for sale so it's like i'm not impressed if i get them or not you know it's like right. if, it, if i get lucky that's cool if not whatever but Honestly, like lately, it's just been more about like home stuff, like good furniture and like Mm -hmm. old, just cool posters. Like I got a really good like 30s industrial fan last week that like 
the thing about like it's i just think it's fun when i can find stuff that's 80 years old and still functional you know if anything like more functional than the stuff that i could buy exactly at a store you know like i have like that the fan that i got it's like a full metal fan i know right now that i'm gonna be if it's already if it's still working now like it's It's gonna gonna be working for a while yeah and it, it blows way f- hard like the air is way better than any walmart fan i could buy you know like any box fan yeah you know so and it just like little things like that are like honestly furniture has been really big for me it's just kind of like i want my house to look cool now yeah so it's like that's just kind of what i've been focused on yeah um, but then yeah it's just like random things like sometimes it's just like like i always think it's always way cooler when i can find something in the wild Mm. versus having to buy it off of ebay you know like it's always way better like when i can find something for four bucks you know and it fits me perfectly it's like dude that's tight like yeah instead of having to pay eighty dollars for it on ebay or whatever i'm like looking at so that's the type of stuff that gets excited like i get excited over it's more of just like i'm just super picky at this point yeah like it's like like i have so my closet's so big to where it's just like do I need another one? No, no. You know, like but let's let's move towards single stitch here. My conversation with Mitch was a unique and enriching experience. What made this interaction so unique was his engagement in our conversation. Mitch was someone whose anecdotes ensured the conversation continued to be engaging and enthralling. During my interaction with Mitch, who helmed Single Stitch Madison, we got to learn about his journey as he first started out selling clothes to his friends straight out of his closet. He learned that this was an avenue he could pursue and found ways in which he was able to engage with his consumers through pop-up garage sales to having to open up a space due to the sheer amount of product that he had. Our conversation further engaged in his own nostalgia with clothing and the current state of streetwear. We discuss how vintage moves through generations and how in a few years what we saw as present fashion will be another generation's vintage. Our attention then shifted towards exploring the genesis of Single Stitch Madison and the niche obstacles that Mitch had when opening and running the store. We learn about how he curates his product and what he sees when he prices his inventory based on his consumer basis. Mr. Business Owner. Yeah, I can go on forever. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, I was like, I loved it though. You were like, you were riffing. I was like, damn, I'm gonna let this man just do it. Bro, thing. when you said when you said a 45 minute podcast, I was like, I, I don't know. I, no, I yeah. When I said 45, I was like, I'm gonna just see if that's what it's gonna be. But I don't. We're not. We're not. Hey, I got all day, so we're yeah, good. Hey, I'm chilling. I'm chilling. But let's move towards single stitch now. I mean, you had your shop in Lacrosse first, but then. You moved to Madison after that lease ended. Can you talk about what that process was like for you to move not only cities, but you have to move your product and like move like you have to start up all over again? What was that like for you? Yeah, I mean, so to be completely honest, like if I could have started in Madison, I would have like right. in 2019 when we were looking at stores like I came here. But that was like pre-COVID when rent on State Street was like 8000 10000 a month for just a tiny spot. And it's like... Mm-hmm that's way too big of a risk for me to take, you know? So then it kind of, I mean, it just got to the point where like our lease was up and it was either like, we're going to, we knew we were moving. Like just the, the whole situation, that first building, it was a great building, but it like, wasn't perfect. There was a lot Mm -hmm. of things that we needed that we didn't have. So like, we were either going to move to a bigger space here or a bigger space, like downtown lacrosse on third or fourth street, or we were going to just try moving to a bigger city. And I kind of, I kind of just got to the point where it was, it was like one for the business, but two more for just like my personal self too, you right. know, just like not 
I grew up in lacrosse. So it's like, I don't want to live there my whole life. I kind of wanted like a bigger change. And I think definitely helped me, you know, like I, there's a lot more appreciation for the things that I appreciate here than there was in lacrosse. Mm -hmm. Like no hate to lacrosse at all. You know, like I love that place, but it's just like, when it comes to fashion, it's not as nearly as big of a thing as it is here. Right. So like kind of just, it wasn't like, honestly, it wasn't too bad. Like when we got this space, it was actually funny because we went, we came here to Madison to look for, we were going to go view two spots and we went and looked at them. We looked at the first one, didn't like it at all. Second one, we had like an hour to kill. So we just started like walking up and down state street to see if there was anything else. And this place like just opened up. I called the lady and she happened to be like next door. So she just like walked <laughs> over and like gave us a tour. And like, as soon as we walked in, I was like, yeah, this will work. Like, this is perfect. Right. So like, it was nice. There wasn't a whole lot we had to do. I mean, we just had to paint and put the racks up. And like the mm -hmm. racks at that point, it's like we, we, I mean, like when we first opened in lacrosse, like we had plastic hangers and like the $12 Walmart racks, like racks were just breaking and like falling over. Mm -hmm. So like we figured out like a good way where you can just make racks out of just like water. It's like pipe. It's just like plumbing piping. Right. And Sturdy. so. Yeah, and so we just do that. I mean, it only took us probably like two weeks to get this place ready. Really? And then like the physically, and then a lot of it was more about just like, all right, making sure we're marketing the right way, like mm -hmm. we're advertisement, and then just making sure we had the right inventory. Right. I think the hardest part about moving here was honestly like just like figuring out prices, mm. you know, because I think that's one thing that a lot of people don't think about when it comes to vintage. It's like, like for you guys, it's like you get, you order off the catalog, right? You, you're paying like your cost, and then they have like a suggested retail price, right? Where, like, so you know what you're gonna sell it for. For it's exactly. like, for me, it's like I have to go out. Like, like I use like eBay or like random like online sites to just see what stuff is selling for. But like, mm -hmm. then there's times where it's like I gotta realize like, all right, this shirt sold for one fifty on eBay, but like, like some topics are just so niche where it's like, like sometimes I'll get a random metal band you know right. it's like yeah they're worth 250 online but it's like what are the odds that i'm gonna have somebody walk through my doors that actually knows what it is and appreciates it for 250 you know exactly so there's times where i gotta mark my prices down and i just it's like you just constantly have to adjust pricing you know the market's always fluctuating it's like mm -hmm. there's certain things that we were selling for 20 dollars when we first opened here and now we're selling them for 50 and I don't have any, like, that's not my fault. That's somebody, <laughs> I don't know who manipulated the market, but the market rose. So it's like, like when people get mad at us, like Detroit's this year, like Carhartt Detroit's like mm -hmm. last year we were selling them for a hundred dollars. And now this year we're selling for 200. Right. And then if like, if anybody wants to get mad at us putting them out for 200, like don't get mad at us, get mad at the people that are paying $300 for them on eBay. Mm -hmm. Like that's one thing where it's like, I can't put something out for a hundred dollars if they're selling for 300 online, because then one person is going to buy all of them just to resell them. Exactly. And that's not the purpose of our business. Like our purpose no. of our business is get stuff in permanent hands to where people who are going to appreciate it and wear it for a long time. Right. I was going to say, we, we talked yesterday about like inventory and like, how do you manage that? And for you, it's like, you get, you get like, a lot of shit basically and then you have to kind of cycle through each thing and realize how much you want to price that as is that something you still deal with today where it's like you're like always having to manage what you're going to price things as i mean 
kind of like for certain things yeah but i'm also to the point to where we've been doing it for long enough to where we know what we can sell stuff we know we like if i've had this marlboro tea and i've sold 20 of them over the past two years for 40 dollars right. a piece you're gonna know it's obvious that i can, can just get that's like a 40 dollars shirt you know right and then like so a lot of it goes off of just like if i've had it before if i've had something similar like what did i sell it for in the past like mm -hmm. and it's kind of just like i don't know at this point i just that is one thing where a lot of people and a lot of people nowadays will find something and they think like, Oh, like this shirt's worth two fifty. It's super rare where then right. you put it in someone's hands like mine, or it's like, I've had five of these shirts already this year. Like, it's not that rare. Like, mm -hmm. like that's the difference between like, there's, there's super generic vintage that they was mass produced. And then there's vintage where it's like, you had to know, the manager of the band <laughs> to get into the back room so you could purchase this shirt you know like there's some right. stuff like that where it's like this is rarer than the records themselves or anything like that mm -hmm. you know yeah i was gonna say with your shop it's very it's uh, such it's such a diverse like selection where you can go in and you can get yourself a vintage tee but you could also get yourself like a bowling shirt that was like from like the 70s for yeah. you like what do you have like what was your biggest obstacle in terms of like curating that selection like what did you find them was the biggest like trouble that you might have had um honestly the curating thing it's more about just like having price points mm -hmm. like having like when it comes to bowling shirts you know like like a good chain stitch bowling shirts worth like 75 to 100 bucks right and i gotta like you have to realize that like not everybody wants the authentic hundred dollar best of the best bowling shirt. So it's like, sometimes it's about like, you're going to have to go out of your way to go find like kind of the, the just not as crazy bowling shirts that you can put mm. out for 40 bucks, you know, right. or 50 bucks. And like kind of having that price point for everybody. Vintage isn't really cheap. Essential vintage stuff is super cheap. Like anything mm -hmm. that's just a daily essential. But if you want like a super niche, I want a shirt for, I want a blink 182 shirt, you know, right. like, you got to think about it. it's all supply and demand. You know how many other people want a Blink-182 <laughs> shirt? That is what determines the price for these things is how much the supply is mm -hmm. and how much the demand is. If a thousand people want Blink-182 shirts, but there's only 150 of them on the market, that's going to put the price up, you know, because right. you've got a thousand people fighting over these shirts where then you have opposite stuff where you got like a camel shirt, like a camel mm -hmm. cigarette tee. There's probably a thousand people who want them, but there's who knows how many shirts, you know, like, yeah. so it, it it's vice versa. It goes both ways. Yeah. When you like go out, source your guys's like selection, are there always things that you like repetitively get like, okay, I'm going to get, I know I'm going to get this because I know it's going to sell. Yes. And no, because there are a lot of things where it's like, like a NASCAR jacket. Mm -hmm. It's like for a while there was like, buy, 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 buy. Oh, like yeah. everyone you can, everyone you see for this price point, like buy it. Mm -hmm. and now it's to the point where it's like i don't know i it's hard for me to foresee where this trend is gonna go like mm -hmm. is it gonna be something that sticks around forever is it gonna be something that was just like a three-month fad right i mean at, at this point we got stuff that are trending for two weeks and then they're done you know mm -hmm. being mindful of that as well like a corduroy button up any pair just like a solid pair of levi's like that stuff will always sell like that'll always be like a staple to anybody's outfit right so yeah, no longer five bucks though no longer five no. bucks levi's <laughs> i know God, i can't even i don't even want to know what i sold at that pop-ups <laughs> like five bucks 
was going to say, what was like the biggest thing that you learned from like your first order of lacrosse and now single stitch? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it, it's more about, I guess just, I feel like we've touched on most of it already, but just like realizing that I have different price points and like mm-hmm. to re- my whole thing since I started this has always been like, I would, this is a store that I would shop at. Right. You know, like yeah. there is nothing in this store that I wouldn't put in my closet. And that's how I started. And that's how I try to do it. But at the same time, it's about realizing there's different styles than your own, you know, mm-hmm. and you kind of have to curate for all individuals. We've always just been T-shirts, sweatshirts, pants, mm-hmm. maybe some essentials where now it's like we're diving more into like women's stuff and like right. femme tops and more just like, honestly, it's getting more into like essential pieces than it is graphic stuff, you know, where it's like a good fitting jacket, like a good, nice cropped workwear jacket, stuff like that. Like that's the things that people want. Mm-hmm. And that's the things that I think people can justify purchasing mm-hmm. versus spending a hundred dollars on a graphic t-shirt that they're not going to be able to wear all the time. Right. Versus like a cropped workwear jacket that you're going to get three wears out of a week sometimes. Yeah. But then there's always still going to be those people in that market for those tees that have those essentials and now are just like spending for that nostalgia that we talked about or yep. like you know just having this statement piece that they get to wear like once in a while but they still have that essential pieces in their wardrobe already so there's always going to be like a give and take with that yeah and there's that's one thing too that i've noticed a lot after from like being in multiple cities it's like vintage isn't one of those things where like you can expect somebody to just fully dive into it right away you can't just expect somebody to like come into the store for the first time and then the second time they come in they buy a wall piece you know like it takes time to grow and that is one thing that i love seeing is the kids who come in and you can tell they're so hyped but like they don't really know what they're looking at and then like over the year they start getting a lot more knowledge and then they're starting to bring stuff to us to sell or trade and like Mm -hmm. you can tell it's like i try to educate people as much as i can but at the same time like i realize that if they're into it they're gonna do their research you know like if they're not then they're not it's like what i do doesn't really affect that but just getting just watching people like grow from like i'm looking for a nike essential tee with like a little (laughs) nike hit on the chest to come in and be like yo do you have any tupac shirts right and like really like diving into it and realizing why there is so much appreciation behind the stuff that there is you know well for a moment i think back before 2020, before pre-COVID, basically, there was still like a quote-unquote, I think, trend of vintage where a lot of people were starting to go to the thrift stores and trying to find like these more vintage pieces. But then those people that saw that as a trend kind of faded away, but then those everlasting appreciators kind of shine through a little bit. Do you think that's what's going to, that's what you're going to see now is like where people will you know, come in, get their vintage pieces and then call it a day. But then there are going to be those people that will everlastingly like come and shop. Yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been saying this for years now. It's like the people who are into this strictly to just make a dollar, mm-hmm. like those are the people that don't last. And I've seen that, I've seen that happen firsthand. The people that are into this because they're actually into fashion and actually want to see the fashion industry grow the right way and go down the right path. Those are the people that are going to stick around, you know, Mm -hmm. like that's very obvious to me Mm -hmm. about how that works. There are a lot of people who come into this just thinking that it's just for a quick buck. And that happened. Mm -hmm. That was a really big thing in COVID when Mm -hmm. COVID hit. And there's a lot of people sitting around not knowing what to do. Like you had a lot of guys who were 30 years old 
realtor guys, whatever their <laughs> regular day job was. And then they saw this as like some way for them to just make some extra money. And part of it's sad because the whole market got manipulated during mm-hmm. COVID. People were just buying shirts for $3,000 because they had $3,000 to spend on a shirt. Mm-hmm. And then everybody thinks that just because that one dude spent that much on a shirt, that that shirt is now worth that much money. Right. And it's like, that's kind of what I like about right now is like the market is starting to correct itself. And like, Things mm-hmm. are valued at their actual value, mm-hmm. not ber- versus, like not based off of what some rich guy was willing to pay for it. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah I mean, definitely like there are going to be guys who stick around. There'll be guys who won't. And I just I love where it's at, you know, like it's yeah. getting more into this thing to where like you're buying something for the use. There's two things. Like if you're going to buy a wall piece for 250 bucks, mm-hmm. it better be a band that you really like and you really right. listen to. Like if you're yeah. buying a tee off the wall. Just to buy a tee off of a wall. Just so you can say you have a yeah. $250 shirt or yeah. because maybe you think it's worth 300 and you think you got a steal on it. That's not how this is supposed to work. If you want to do it, go ahead. You know, at right. the end of the day, like it's, I guess it's like people giving me money. So like, I can't really <laughs> complain, you know, but like that's not what I want my business to be. Like, that's not how I want this to go. Like I want my items going to end users. Mm -hmm. I don't want my stuff going to somebody who's going to buy it and wear it for however long and then get rid of it. You know, right. This stuff is supposed to be like nostalgic enough to the point to where it's like, you value the shirt more than what I have a value at. Right. Like, like that's the stuff when it's like, you have some, that's why I love parents weekend, dude. Cause like, yeah, dad will come in with his daughter thinking (laughs) that like, oh this is stupid like i don't want to be here just moping around but then he'll find something and he'll be like dude i used to have this shirt <laughs> what like and he'll buy it and it'll, and it'll be like 50 bucks and he'll be like I, i'm never getting rid of this like i'm mm-hmm. this is gonna get buried with me you know right. like we've had grown men i've seen a grown-ass man cry <laughs> because he found a shirt in here that he said he wore every single day in high school he wore to the point to where there was no graphic left on the shirt and his sleeves were cut off. It was full of wow. holes. It was one of those things where he totally forgot it existed mm-hmm. until he saw the shirt and it sparked this memory in the back of his head that he, and he I don't know. I mean, like, was he crying about the shirt? Probably not. It's probably more about the memories that are attached. Right. To that Absolutely. Yeah. That's the same thing. You know, bringing somebody that sense of joy and that like instant dopamine. Right. I think that's a really good point, especially about Parents Weekend and just like the sheer amount of people coming in. Again, because we keep talking about this sense of nostalgia. It's like, it's going to keep happening. At one point, the daughter that was brought in with like his dad is going to go to a vintage store like with her, her like daughter. kid, her yeah. daughter. And like she will find something and be like, remember this when I was like growing up and everything like it's going to be like a cycle. And it's something really cool to be a part of, I bet, like something yeah. you really appreciate. But in the past like year, I guess, I think you opened another single stitch up in lacrosse with Danny working up there. Yep. Yeah. At what point did you realize that you wanted to go back to lacrosse and open up another store? So we knew we were going to move back to lacrosse before we opened in Madison. Whoa. Okay. So that was always the plan. And honestly, it took way longer than we ever wanted to. Like, to be completely honest, like now that I look back at it, I realized that I probably did it backwards where we should have focused on a new store downtown lacrosse (laughs) first and then then made the jump to Madison. Yeah. Because... Honestly, what happened is me and Danny both moved to Madison. The plan mm-hmm. was to open this store here. We were both going to be partners here. And then as soon as he made enough money and had enough money saved up, he was going to move back to lacrosse and open up his own store. Right. Which 
it happened, but it got to the point where me and him were just enjoying Madison so much that we didn't want to move back to lacrosse right away. Mm -hmm. It was like, we just moved here. Like, why would we go back? I mean, honestly, like I'm not really affiliated with lacrosse. I mean, I am Yeah. like, but on paper, like I'm not on any of the lease. Like that is Danny's store. Danny Mm -hmm. makes his money there. And that's how Mm -hmm. we wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. We talked about, we doing partners and like, then you got to deal with percentages. And then like my whole thing about partners that I don't like is somebody might bust their ass one week and one dude might be sitting on the couch, but the profit still gets split 50, 50 at the end Mm -hmm. of the week, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's always just been like, I want people to work for their money. And I just think that made the most sense for both of us to where it's you go, Right. I don't have to focus on what you're doing. You just focus on that. We've been working together for four years. So to like, like I know I can trust him. Like, I right. know he knows what to do. Like, yeah. I clearly, like, he's been doing it here for how long? So, like, right. and it was easy. Already being in lacrosse, it's not like we just started over. Mm-hmm. We didn't start from scratch. Like, we already had a following there. We already had established customer base. So it was more just like we took a vacation. That's how yeah. I see it. Yeah. Granted, it was only supposed to be a three-month vacation and it had like a year-long vacation, but yeah, I don't know. That's just how it went. And then honestly, a lot of it too was the fact that we couldn't find a space. Bro, okay. We would open up in lacrosse way sooner, but they did all this stuff with the lacrosse center and then they're mm-hmm. fixing up Pearl Street and like it's lacrosse is going to pick up. I can tell you right now that in five years, lacrosse, downtown lacrosse is going to be completely different than what it is now. Right. So it's like a lot of people know that. So a lot of these spaces that have always been empty filled and Mm. we didn't expect that, you know, like we expected them to stay empty like they have been for how long? Yeah. You don't really like split your time between Madison and the lacrosse store. You're kind of more focused in Not really. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I go to lacrosse every other weekend to go fish. Yeah. And then I just hang out with Danny for the day and just help him out when he needs it. That's honestly what more of it is. It's more, we're both here to help each other when we need it. That's it. You know, like I don't want to be, I don't want to make anything complicated if it doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. It's like I would rather have Danny with his own store for the fact that it's like his for store. What he did to help this store exactly for as long yeah. as he did, like it would mean, it means way more to me that he has his own place and he's doing everything how he wants to do it versus a, us being partners and us like fighting over how things should be done and like if things should be done the right way or what's right. the right way what's the wrong way when in yeah. reality just do what you want to do i mean like danny was working at jimmy john's he's like one of my best he was my best friend still to this day is my best friend and it's like, yeah dude i found this thing where we can make the like, same amount of money and not right. have to do this yeah and then it kind of just i was like i've just i trained him for until he didn't need it anymore and it's like mm-hmm. he hasn't needed that for a long time like he figured it all out it's the same thing with carson like my first ever business partner was like my best friend and i was like yo i found this way right that we can like make money and now carson's living in phoenix selling at rose bowl every weekend and living his best life you know like that's one thing that i I stepped away from it for a long time, you know, and I kind of was getting like just down on myself because I don't work with my best friends anymore. You know, like right. that's what we started was like this thing to where we get to hang out every day. It's not mm-hmm. even work. We get to make enough money to where we can go get a couple of drinks and buy our food <laughs> and like pay rent. And like, that's all it was. And now it's, it's now it's like an official business. And like, I was able to get, I'm able to provide for two of my best friends where they mm-hmm. have like a steady income and like, they're not working some nine to five that. I know for a fact they never wanted to do in the first place. Right. During our talk, Mitch and I delved into the small hitches he faced in terms of running a vintage store with a diverse inventory and product selection. Due to the nature of his business, the way he prices and brings in product is very unique to Single Stitch and his shop itself. 
we delved into the intriguing topic of personal work-life balance and how he manages to run and operate a small business. This is what made our conversation so unique, as Mitch delves into a personal topic that is integral to all of our well-beings. From talking about how to separate work and personal life to talking about how to grow as an individual or someone looking into the fashion industry, Mitch's anecdotes and perspective is candid and illuminating. In addition, our conversation expanded upon Mitch's opinion on the current state of vintage and the oversaturation in the current fashion market. But his take on how he appreciates the current state of vintage is very different to many perspectives of the fashion space in general, as he touches on how the market is slowly starting to balance itself out making his perspective and his experience unique to him. So your mindset has kind of like switched over the years or kind of grown over the years of where it's like, at one point it was like, I'm working with my best friends. This is like, I'm just oh, hanging for out. Sure. Bro, like, dude, like I, if you would have seen like how we operated in lacrosse <laughs> versus how we would just skate in the store <laughs> and like people would walk in and we just wouldn't like, we would just keep skating how we even survived there honestly dude like i'm so surprised (laughs) still to this day like i have never taken a business class i've never taken any marketing class i have probably watched five hours total of youtube (laughs) videos to learn everything that i've ever learned about this business so it's like we just did it like we were just having fun you know and then like once we moved here i was expecting it to be the same thing and it was like a really quick realization like once i moved to madison where it's like all right this is now a job Mm -hmm. this is now a business you really need to start paying attention to what's going on it's fun like don't get me wrong i love it you know i love running the business but at the same time there's a lot of days where i'm like damn it was way more fun back in the day but right you can't have that forever. We wouldn't be here if we were still doing the same thing. There's no right. way. We would have had to close the store down forever. <laughs> no. So you still appreciate it at the end of the day, like you said. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. That's one thing where it's like, no matter what, at the end of the day, that's no matter what I'm thinking about, it's still the fact that it's like, I used to work from 11 o'clock at night to 6 <laughs> o'clock in the morning, driving a forklift around with a bunch of alcoholic 50-year-old men. <laughs> So the fact that I'm not doing that anymore is enough. That's simply enough. At the end of the day, it's like you can sit there and you can get upset about all these things that's not going your way. But I I just I mean, I literally reposted something this morning where it's like sometimes you're so focused on the future Mm -hmm. that you forget that you're in the exact place you're praying to be in the past. Like I'm living out the goal that I've always wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I just like get caught up on things that doesn't really matter. You know? Yeah, exactly. I think that's a lot of things that people don't realize. I am a regular 23-year-old going through the same life crisis (laughs) that every 23-year-old is going through. You know, like I got the same thoughts that everybody, like, I don't even know if this is the right thing. It's just just doing it. Do you have an end goal at this point in time? Or is this just like you go are just living your 23-year-old life, just going day by day, figuring it out? We have goals that like we're focusing on. We need to get a bigger space. Yeah. For a long time there, like I did have a goal to open up a third location in Milwaukee, but like it's still on the radar, you know? My biggest thing is like I've been doing it by myself. Like I've had right. Danny or Nick, but at the same time, I'm this type of dude where it's like if I want it done right, you got to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. And not that I didn't trust Danny or Nick in the when they were right. here. It's more the fact that it's like I just wanted to do everything myself. It's right. like so I've been doing everything. Like I've been, I run the Instagram. Mm-hmm. I do my taxes. I right restock like everything so it's like now i'm to the point where i'm realizing where it's like you need to focus on your social life like you need to go have fun like you don't need Mm -hmm. to be working 60 hours a week dude i've probably worked 60 hours a week for the past four years straight like yeah i don't 
give myself any time off. And like, this is the first summer where it's like, you're chill, focus on yourself. It's not all about the business. So it's like, mm-hmm. that's just like where I'm at realizing that it's like, you can put as much effort as you want to into the store, but you don't need to let it consume you. So how do you, how do you separate yourself? Cause like, I mean, you go home, there's vintage everywhere. You go to work, it's vintage. Like you have to go and source. And like, if you're going on vacation, it more than likely you're like searching through what you could find to bring to the store. Like, how do you separate yourself from all of that? I mean, the nicest thing about where I'm at now is I've slowly been working on this over the past couple of years. And like, I'm kind of the point now to where I have employees. I don't know if you want to call them employees, but I have pickers right. who are going out and like getting us the inventory and I'm just mm. buying it from them. So it's way nicer now that like, I can wake up in the morning and I don't have to stress about going to get stuff. It's like, right. it's all just coming to me. Mm-hmm. I got to pay more for everything, but, I, but it's not the end of the world. You know, right. it's like, like we're not getting anything for two bucks anymore. Yeah. You know? I mean, we haven't for a lot, like pretty much, honestly, since we moved to Madison, it's like a lot of it is more about just letting other people source for us. Mm-hmm. That way I can give myself time to just do whatever. Like I, I've fished every morning before I come to the store for the past month. Like, right. it's just about, doing something that's not work all the time. And that's the other thing too. It's like, I don't bring clothes home with me anymore. Mm. That's something I realized in lacrosse. It's like I had, when I was doing those pop-ups, thank God I lived with Carl. He has vile file. So he was screen printing. Yeah. I was doing my vintage stuff and we kind of just like moved in. I was like, are you cool with us not having a living room? And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, you need space for your stuff. Like, we just didn't have a living room. We had two bedrooms, our kitchen, and then we had a huge open space that was half vintage stuff and And half half screen screen printing stuff. And then it kind of just got to the point where I get home from the store or I get home from doing whatever, and then I just keep pricing. Or it's like I just wash, (laughs) do laundry. And it's like I got to a point where I was, I honestly was like driving myself crazy because I had no separation between the two. Mm -hmm. It was like my home life and my work life were the same thing. So like, that's something where I realized that young or I shouldn't say young, but a while ago to not, like, if you want to separate the two, you can't bring your work stuff home with you. Mm -hmm. So it's Mm -hmm. like, I like leave all my clothes at the store. I have my sewing machines and everything at home. So like anytime I need to repair stuff, I'll bring it home. Yeah. I don't know. It's more of just a mindset. Like, it's Mm -hmm. like me waking up in the morning and like looking in a mirror and telling myself, you do not need to work today. Yeah. You worked all last week. You're caught up. Mm -hmm. And that's my biggest thing. There's no such thing as being caught up. Growing up on the farm, it's like there's always stuff to do at all times. You might have gotten done out in the field, but there's a flat tire in the barn that you got to fix. So it's like, that's kind of how it is for me. I got enough stuff tagged. I got enough Instagram posts drafted to where like, honestly, I don't need to come into the store this week. Mm-hmm. Like, all I got to do is get this stuff posted, have my restocks ready for Rafe to put out, and that's good. But then there's parts of me where it's like, all right, I'm bored. Yeah. Like, I'm sitting at home and I'm, like, I'm bored. So I just yeah. come in and work. Yeah. And that's I- been my thing. It's just like the past three years, I worked so much that I've lost a lot of my hobbies. Mm-hmm. So it's just getting these hobbies back, which is right. it's just a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. It's, it's tough where it's like you, I kind of like not feel you because I mean, I'm not in the same position as you, but it's like, when I'm not working or I'm not doing something, I'm sitting around. I'm just like, I genuinely don't know what to do with myself because like, Same, yeah, because it's like as someone that's worked since they were like 14, 15 years old, like just working, just making money and like doing all this. If I'm not like doing something that I feel like isn't like quote unquote making money or like bettering myself in the, in the sense of like I'm working towards something, I just feel like, man, 
I'm just killing the day. The yep, day is like, I can't. I like could not agree with that more. That's like, like that's like the hardest thing with me, where it's like, like I've just been forcing myself to wake up and just get on the boat and fish. Yeah. And like yeah. some days it's just super fun, and then some days I'm like, dude, I could have made a couple hundred bucks. Right. Exactly. You know? like, I could have yeah. went and like sewn in the basement, and like I could have or done something. You know, like I could have watched some youtube videos i could have called my accountant and talked to him about investing you know like yeah. i could have done a few other things like that but then at the end of the day it's like you have I don't know, my just, biggest thing is like yourself. at the end of the day when you're on your deathbed like your only thing that's coming with you is memories so it's right. like realizing that like that's my biggest thing i used to live my life by that quote like mm -hmm. to a t mm -hmm. and then once this whole business thing started like i started finding all these different or just feeling finding different ways to make myself feel good, you know, to where yeah. it's like, damn, like sometimes like making money feels better than like going out and making a memory with my best friends. Right. Which I think it's something where it's like, that's just where society is. Mm -hmm. Society so focused on like making a bunch of money. And like, I also think about like the happiest times in my life. I was broke, dog. Like I yeah. had no money. Like when I was 17, living in my first ever apartment and my homies were coming over and we were just like, Hanging going out. to house parties yeah. and like doing stupid <laughs> stuff you know like i had twenty dollars to my name all the money i had to my name was like to go buy a case of beer now it's like you're doing everything you want but you're not feeling as fulfilled because you're not doing those things that are i think i got to a point where i actually like i just lost focus on the things that i actually was supposed mm -hmm. to be focusing on right you know where it's like that's been my whole thing my whole life is i grew up watching fantasy factory like rob deerdeck like that yeah. whole shit is like still dude like that's my dream that mm -hmm. is my like dream is to have something like the fantasy factory where it's like i just get to fuck around with my friends all day like yeah. that's what i do for <laughs> a living. when people are like what do you do for a living i want to be like whatever i want like right. that's what i want to be able to say so part of me is like realizing like how much money that would take you know yeah. like it's like that's not just going to be free like you're right. gonna have to work to get yourself to that point but then the other part of me is like you could have all the money in the world and you could have a fantasy factory and you could have a foam pit and all that. But if you don't got friends to hang out with and right. you don't got people to like, like genuine people to be there with, what does it mean? Mm -hmm. And that's like my biggest thing is just for the past couple of years, I've just been focusing on the store right. and not meeting people. Yeah. I don't say meet, like I meet people all the time, you know, it's like but what it's I do like, for a living, but it's like yeah. building relationships. Yeah. Building lifelong friendships. Right. You know? Yeah. I think yeah. you said something so is very evident with a lot of people, even in society now, where it's like what you used to be your core fun memories when you were a kid, when you weren't working, when you were dreaming of all these things and like wanting to do all this. And now, like in a moment where like some of your best memories and most fun memories are like basically working and making money. For me, it's like going to the shop and hanging out with Joel and like everybody else. And, like that's like what I some of my favorite memories recently is just like just doing that. And it's like, yeah, I think it's definitely one of those things where we're like, you were also like in our 20s. Like, I feel like that's a very common right. thing for people to think at our age. Yeah, I don't know. Like, me and Isaac were just talking about it. It's just like, I think it's a very common thing for people to get to this age and think of like, am I going down the right path? Yeah. Is this really what I want to do? And I think, mm -hmm. I think it's super important for a lot of people to have that conversation with themselves because I think when you're like right out of high school, like, you're super manipulative by other mm -hmm. people. So it's Absolutely. like, that's how I think it's like a lot of it was like my whole thing. My whole life has always been like making sure I'm surrounding myself with people who I'm going to grow with. Like, I don't want to surround myself by anybody who's going to slow me down or just mm -hmm. is like content with not having a lot. And it's like, right. Like I've, I've always been like, shoot for the stars, fuck the moon. Like we're going for the stars. Like, <laughs> 
I want to surround myself with the same type of people. And I think Mm -hmm. there was a period of my life where I couldn't find those people. So I said, like, fuck it, I'm going to do it by myself. Right. Now it's to the point where it's like, duh, you need those people. Like, you Mm -hmm. need people like that to keep you going. And I think a lot of people get stuck in this spot where they surround themselves with people who are honestly just putting them down the wrong path. You know, I think there's a lot of people, they know what they want. Like, Mm -hmm. they know exactly what they want. But it's like, if I go down that path, I'm going to lose these people. And I think a lot of people just hold on to that for way too long. And then they get to the point where it's irreversible. And that's something Mm -hmm. like, I do not want that to happen to me. Yeah. How do you manage those relationships? At what point in your mind are you like, these are the people that I know are going to be lifelong and just like always going to bring me up? I've been saying this for a minute. If I hang out around somebody for like three to four times, you know, and they don't talk to me about anything future related, like I, Mm. I just found like mega shout out to Isaac because Isaac's the dude who like made me realize this. We were talking one night and he's like, he's like, yeah, you just like can't really surround yourself with people who aren't goal orientated. Yeah. And I was like, dude, I needed somebody. (laughs) I needed somebody to tell me that like five years ago, you know, like I've always wondered why it's so hard for me to like, like I can make friends with anybody, but like for it to be genuine, you know, and it's like, Mm -hmm. so like if I hang out around somebody for like a handful of times and they're just content with where they're at and they're just like, whatever, you know, and it's like, that's not like, I'm constantly trying to grow. Like that's what life is about in my eyes. It's like constantly growing and like getting better. That's why I, I love people who are like, I really, really, really love the type of people who are not afraid to like call people out on their bullshit. Mm-hmm. If I'm doing something wrong, like tell me. Like yeah. I'm like, there's a lot of like, I'm the type of person. I know there's a lot of other people like this where it's like, you just need somebody else to tell you something. Right. Like it's not necessary that you don't understand that it's going on, but it's like, it's, you can't figure out a way to word it to make sense in your own head. If I'm making mistakes. Like I want to know so I can get better. I don't know. I feel like I have a pretty good, like I can read people pretty easily. Mm-hmm. It's pretty easy to determine like, if they're that type of person or if they're the type of person who just will be content with a a house and a wife and kids and that's all they need in life you know yeah and yeah damn this episode has not gone at all yeah i just thought about him like bro we're talking about the most random shit but i was like i was like looking at it i was like oh my god these some of these points like we just did not hit but i love that bro this is good I'll talk. Uh, I can just rant. My yeah, brain doesn't, my brain's not very good at like focusing on like one thing. Yeah. So it'll just keep going. Yeah. No wonder you have like a vintage store, bro. Like you just get it on like, <laughs> like the, everything, bro. <laughs> Your mind doesn't have to focus on one type of thing. Those are all the questions I have. I mean, we just talked about goals. Like for you, 2023 and beyond, like what are things that you want to accomplish within yourself, within as a being a business owner, just in general? All right. Yeah. Okay. So this, we can relate the two. So my goal would be to get to the point where the business is still being very successful, but I am to the point where I'm able to focus and I have my own life outside of the store. So you want to basically stray away a little bit more from the shop. Not necessarily stray away. Like I don't want to stray away. Like I'm still going to be putting in the same effort. It's more about just putting in the effort that's needed. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to go over and beyond to do all Mm. of this stuff when it's like, like for me, I, my problem is I focus so much on the future. Like I'm focused yeah. so much on like a month ahead from now. I need to just be focusing on like, make sure you have the stuff done to get through today mm-hmm. and then you can do it again tomorrow instead mm-hmm. of being in this place where it's like, I want my next month to be planned out. So I right. have no stress when it's like, why do I even do that in the first place? Because I, I can't even go a week going on schedule. Like something gets <laughs> fucked up at some point. Yeah, exactly. Where it's like, you're just hurting yourself by trying mm-hmm. to do that. Focus on what you got to do today. And that's all you need to do. Wow. That's very different from like a lot of people, 
you know, that I've gotten the chance to talk to where it's like they are looking ahead and ahead. And it's like at some point it's going to those things that you are looking ahead, you might accomplish them, but you might not accomplish them in the way that you plan on doing it. Yeah, no. And that's one thing that I think a lot of people have a problem with, too, is they set like super high expectations for certain things. I thought we were going to get here way different than how we got here. Exactly. But yeah. I don't really care because we're yeah. here. Like, I yeah. don't, it doesn't matter how we got here. You know, it's right. like as long as you get there, that's yeah. how I look at it. There are certain things about the store that didn't work two years ago, but now they work great. Mm-hmm. It's like sometimes the timing is just wrong. Sometimes you're doing it just not exactly the right way. And like, I think for me, it's all about trial and error. Doing something once, if it doesn't work, you just do it again a different way until you figure out a way that it works. Right. That's good. That's I'm. A, I think we should end it off on that. That's good. All right. Cool with me. <laughs> well, I don't have much else to say. You got any final words? Where can the people find you? What do you got? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess we're at Single Stitch. We're located at two fourteen State Street, right under the Orpheum. Other than that, I can't thank anybody enough for all the appreciation and the support that we've had since we moved here. I mean, I have felt more at home in Madison than I have felt at all pretty much throughout my life i guess besides my actual home but like <laughs> like i I love it here you know and yeah. i there's nothing i really there's i don't really have anything bad to say you know like i mm-hmm. appreciate everybody constantly supporting and i guess just one thing is like you can talk to us we're like 20 year old dudes we're just regular yeah. ass people yeah don't act like we're on some podium all the time i hate that oh my the amount of people man being the 10 percent off picture bro on our website and the amount of people like i've seen you on the website i'm like dude like i don't really like i'm just like Whatever. all right bro like i'm also here to help you like buy yeah. shoes you know what i mean like oh yeah that's one thing it's like half of my friends that i've made ah, shit almost all of them almost all the friends i've made since moving to madison were originally customers yeah like they started off as somebody who came into the store to buy something mm-hmm. and now we have a bonfire at my house every weekend you know right. with the same people it's like that's fire if anybody wants to skate or fish, <laughs> like, i have a instagram just dm me you know like, <laughs> regular ass dude all right thank you so much mitch of course thank you andrew thank you for tuning into today's episode once again i'm your host andrew and i want to thank mitch for taking the time to speak with me today it's a sam walner for creating the music you heard on today's episode This episode was about a unique perspective into the fashion space through someone that operates in the vintage space. So if you know anyone that is interested in vintage and how it continues to play a role in the industry, share with them this episode. You can find me and the shop on Instagram at Andrew Inamoto and at underscore August shop. And find August located in 414 State Street, Madison, Wisconsin or on august-shop.com. Once again, thank you for listening to the August Forum.